Hi, my name is Roshan Langani, and welcome to Financial Independence with Roshan and Adrian. We're here to help you achieve financial independence, and we're going to do this by giving you uh, ideas, advice, and tips, mainly through breaking down uh, some books. So in this, our first season, we've been breaking down Your Money or Your Life uh, by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez. Today, we're here to discuss Chapter 6. Uh, the title is The American Dream on a Shoestring. Adrian, why don't you uh, go ahead and say hello. Hey, Rochelle. I'm excited to be a part of your podcast and discuss Chapter 6. This was uh, another good chapter that I like where it kind of touched on being a little bit more creative in your life when it comes to personal finance. So uh, I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, I like this one as well. The first the first uh, thing I wrote down was the term I'm enoughing. And they talked about being frugal, but there's no term for when you just have enough. Wealth, it, uh, the wealth we enjoy today, they said, is the result of centuries of frugality, and we've gotten away from that. Yeah, I like how they touched on like the depressed era mentality where um, older generations were always focused on saving, saving, saving. It doesn't matter about the lavish lifestyle as long as you have food on the table and family. And whereas now that kind of uh, lifestyle is gone and the word frugal is kind of just has negative connotations to it now in today's uh, 21st century. Yeah, you're uh, referring to the section where they touch on the depression era and uh, they talk about, they continue trying to take away the negative connotations of frugal uh, and saying that it's, it's um, their definition is enjoying the virtue of getting good value for every minute of your life energy and from everything you have the use of. I like how this references both time, you know, getting good value of your time, as well as uh, your possessions. So being frugal, it, is getting the best out of everything, not necessarily uh, having to be miserly, I believe, as they stated in the book. I definitely agree with that point of view. It, it is perfect when you can get a lot of great value out of all your life energy and the money that you're investing in. That's the ultimate goal, whereas you don't need a lot of, where you don't need a lot of stuff and you're not getting great value out of it, could lead to debt, could lead to, you know, unhappiness. So getting great value for every minute of your life energy, all the work that you're putting in and investing is definitely an important topic that they brought up here in this chapter. Yeah, and I, I love that, getting value out of everything. It's, it's not touching on having less necessarily. I guess it does touch on that a little bit, but uh, have as much as you can get everything out of and no more, no more than that. So if you want all the different toys, use them. Right there, there's nothing wrong with that. And to go into a little bit more specific, I think it's more of getting value out of your current situation and the environment that you're in is the, the key here where you're not trying to seek external solutions or buying, um, you know, quick objects to like make you feel better. It's really seeing your situation, evaluating it and trying to get as much value that is personal to you as possible, I think is really important. Yeah, exactly. This app, uh, step six, they, they call it valuing your life energy, minimizing spending. Uh, and they have a section with 10 sure, uh, sure ways to save money. And what's interesting is that before that section where they go over the 10, they have one sure way to save money and it's stop trying to impress other people. So when you mentioned getting 
your situation, getting everything out of it. Uh, they also touched on this in previous chapters when happiness is internal and not external, when you're not trying to impress other people, you'll automatically just save, save money. Yes, this was definitely a very relatable point into the chapter that I actually see nowadays, and especially big when it comes to social media pro promoting a very lavish lifestyle, like you have a lot of wealth, that you're going places, and that you're having fun. I also, um, there was this interesting like article slash video that um, talked about how um, some uh, millennials in Europe will pay a thousand dollars just for an Instagram um, shot on an airplane when it's actually grounded and it'll make it look like they're up in, in the sky going over a whole city and people are, are willing to you know use their life energy in this case to promote maybe a false lifestyle that they're living to inflate their egos what they talked about in the chapter by spending all this money to to impress people so I was definitely shocked when I heard that people were doing it but it, it makes sense how today is all about promoting a lifestyle that you, you one day want to have or that you don't really do. Yeah, I remember seeing years ago, and I, I'm not big on social media. I'm not anti-social media by any means. I just have never, never got that into it. Uh, never really got much into Facebook. Got a little bit into Instagram for the summer last year or the year before, but don't really check those much. I've recently started using Twitter a lot, uh, which which I which I like. But I bring up that point because um, uh, I may not have the best perspective on everything on on social media. But I remember reading. Uh, I've heard from people uh, about about how there's a lot of uh, the the lifestyle on social media and someone's real life can be totally different. And I remember. Uh, a few years ago, maybe it was a year ago, seeing that there was an actor that posted that they were um, taking a private jet and someone that followed them was on a commercial flight with them and took a picture of them and, and sort of responded like, oh, you're, oh, how are you on a private jet when you're on this plane with me? That kind of thing. So uh, I, I do like this stop trying to impress other people uh, in general from a financial independence perspective but also just life uh in general yeah and the, the money aspect definitely is like the most important um to key in on where people are willing to spend their life energy and their money just to inflate their egos and to impress other people and at the end of the day a majority of them if not all of them sometimes can just, you know, not be satisfied with even the content that they're putting out because there's always, you know, someone else trying to one up them where it's just constant cycle that's putting them to and fro, just trying to one up the next person on social media. Definitely. Yeah. And they actually said this in the just to stop trying to impress people section that the people you're trying to impress uh, are probably barely paying attention because they're busy trying to impress you or they'll resent you for one-upping whatever they did. So the, the, the positive outcomes, there, there don't seem to be many from that, uh, from that uh, section of stop trying to impress people. Now they break down after that 10 sure ways to, to save money. The first being don't go shopping. That's a, that's a big one, especially how it is now where we're all big consumers, where if you, you can go out just for one thing and then collect 10 different things, especially when you're going to malls and shopping centers, it's, it's definitely a, a big topic. 
Yeah, and they, when they talk about, I, 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 an interesting thing for me said men tend to buy while drunk, women wa- buy while bored or sad, and both genders buy while angry, and um, and so I, I saw that and I and I, I think about my personal shopping habits. Going into stores isn't as much of a problem with me. I'm not a big shopper in general, but um, Amazon, you know, being able to buy stuff from anywhere, that's where I tend to buy most things. And it's so it's so easy. Everything's become an impulse buy, which they mentioned. Impulse buying is definitely the key to the consumer lifestyle where you you're not expecting it. You don't really know what you're going to um, how much stuff you're going to buy right away. And it's it's the impulses buys that create that that gap where your expenses are coming close to your savings, which people always need to be aware about that chart where you're trying to make your savings be extremely high and minimize your expense to create a, a big gap in and also to manage your budget as well. Uh, yes, uh, it's actually their next point. Live within your means. Uh, two things that really stood out to me here. Their, their first description, just description of live within your, your means is buy only what you can prudently afford, avoid debt, always have something to put away for a rainy day, which all just seems like foundations uh, of personal finance, right? There's nothing revolutionary in that statement. The next thing I like that they said in this section is that um, there are two sides to the coin of living beyond your means. The shiny side is you can have everything you want right now. The tarnished side is that you'll pay for it with your life with interest. And I just thought that that is a really brilliant point to take home that in this era of credit uh, that, that we've had that really doesn't go back that far, um, you can have whatever you want, assuming your credit card will approve you for it or your, your credit line will approve you for it. But not only are you paying for it, you're, you're paying interest, you're, you're, you're locking your entire life to make these payments. It is interesting insight, and this is where I believe trade-offs come in, where people need to consider what and manage when they're wanting to buy or you know use their credit card or just take on anything that will accumulate debt and interest in the future, where you need to start creating trade-offs. And also in this chapter, I like when they talked about create, be more creative and be a lot more creative when it comes to, you know, transportation, your job, buying clothes, food, you just need to be more creative. And this will help you seek more value out of every minute of your life energy, which is very important. And creating new strategies is is very important because it gets you more involved with your your personal finance life, which is really important. I think that's a very key takeaway to just this book in general. Uh, keeping your personal finances top of mind. Um, next, they in this uh, 10 ways to save money, number three is take care of what you have. Uh, repair rather than replace things. I see this ha- uh, happening a lot You know, when things are down economically. I remember seeing things about people um, getting clothes um, stitched and fixed rather than new ones or with cars, you know, the... the um, uh, the stores like AutoZone, you know, they'll make make more money because people are repairing their cars versus replacing them. Um, so that another another great point. Number four, they say wear it out. Don't buy things and constantly um, 
replace them, uh, repair them as much as you can, which is the previous point, but to the point of wear, wearing it out. Uh, and feel free to stop me if you have anything to add on these points. Number five is do it yourself. Uh, rather than paying someone to do things for you, do it. Do what you can yourself. And it, it might show you that you have some skills and talents that you may not even know about. And if something's really easy to fix, why? And now the most common days to figure out how to fix something is going on YouTube. There, are, there is a lot of content on the internet that people aren't taking advantage of today that they can use in their life. Instead, again, this chapter does make aware that we are we are consumers now. We rely on getting goods and services. And this is, comes to trade-off. Do you want to use some of your life energy to save a couple bucks? Or do you want to use a lot of your life energy to go seek out professional for something that maybe you, you could do by yourself? So just using the resources you have on Anne and believing that you can maybe solve some of these mechanical problems around your house or, you know, just keep some products that you have on hand and maybe extend it out another year, which will save you a couple thousand dollars, which will definitely benefit you down the road. Yeah, I, you mentioned YouTube. I think of I, I got I learned how to use a soldering iron and use that to fix a baby monitor, all because of uh, YouTube rather than buying something on my own. I had no experience. Definitely messed it up a couple times at first, but it worked in the end. Have you used? Uh, YouTube or a free resource to do something yourself? Um, I actually used um, YouTube the most just to kind of um, work to see how podcasting worked and how to set up all the equipment and the best ways to go about it. And I thought that was very helpful where there's so many different aspects that it, it can help you on that are really beneficial where it's at work or at home. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if you didn't find that on YouTube. That's great. Uh, six, anticipate your needs. Keep a list of things um, that you're going to need for the next year. Find deals on them along the way. I thought this was a great one. I actually know somebody who does this with, with really well with clothes shopping. Uh, she'll just buy stuff all the time on sale, even if it's not something that will be needed for months or even years. If it's a good deal, she'll buy it, store it, and, uh, and then use it later. And the part we say this will minimize impulse buying is it's definitely hitting it right on the head where if you anticipate your needs, it's basically like creating a, a temporary budget where you're planning ahead, where if you don't anticipate your needs, you're going to end up finding that you're paying a lot more at the cash register than you planned ahead, than you previously planned. So and definitely anticipating your needs, what you're going to need for the day, the week or the month can definitely help you save dollars on hand. Yeah, we tried doing this with um, both Halloween and Christmas decorations, you know, buying them after the holiday to get a good deal. Unfortunately, neither was too successful for us because all the stuff we wanted was already sold. So, uh, but I, I think it's a great, a great strategy. Step seven is a research value, quality, durability, multiple use, and price. Um, eight seems like common sense, but buy it for less. Comparison shop look for bargains buy it buy it used um buy it used is an interesting one i we had our refrigerator broke in the house and i was just able to get a used fridge that we're keeping in the garage i guess that part doesn't sound too frugal living with having having two refrigerators but anyway uh while the one's getting repaired we have a functioning one that'll 
stay in the garage later and we were able to buy it for about a tenth of the price of a new one so i was i was happy to to see that i found that while i was reading this chapter i was uh constantly searching for better deals on things that i either need or have so i guess there was there was definitely inspiration for me in there um anything stand out for you in in step uh in tip number eight i should say it would be the the bargain and comparison shop i like the part where it says really don't really go to like the main stores right away and just buy it because it's the most convenient the easiest way it's right down the street where see what it is and maybe go to your local business and see if they are willing to match the price or make it lower i think that also is great on the economy promoting local businesses in your area i thought that was a, a great little section that they talked about and it also will help you maybe get a deal that you weren't expecting to get and you know meeting new people definitely yeah and bargaining is not something we really do in the united states i'm originally from india and when we go there to visit they bargain for everything it seems like so i think no a lot of people don't know that that's even an option here and they they reference that especially if you go to those smaller local local shops because it does say that they have more authority at those local places to meet your needs to see if they can lower the price so it's definitely beneficial and then the aspect are you are helping out your local community by doing it normally the connotation with bargaining is you're uh, you're very frugal obviously like they say you're trying to save your money maybe you're trying to one-up the seller in this case but it's just seeing your options Yep. Uh, yep. And what actually, that's kind of what number nine is meet your needs differently. Right. And uh, they say substitution isn't about downgrading. It's about getting what you want for less. It's not a limitation. It's liberation. So they talk about things here like if you need a uh, if you need to take a break, you don't necessarily need to go to someplace exotic. Can you drive someplace? And uh, what are you looking for to get out of the break? Can you take a staycation? So they have a bunch of ideas on figuring out why you're doing what you're doing and seeing if you can find a substitution that meets your needs. And it goes with the overall theme with this chapter, getting the most value out of your life energy, where staying at your home for a week, you'll find yourself maybe even more recharged and relaxed and more, you know, excited about going into the work week the next week where uh, a trip, let's just say to uh, Canada, you're doing like a lot of stuff, but you're coming back and you find yourself exhausted and you would have had the same value if you would have stayed at home. So I definitely agree with the substitution isn't limitation, it is liberation. Yeah, and you, you talk about that. Uh, how many times have either I you felt or heard from other people that say they need a vacation from their vacation because there was so much. You know, you know, you take these sightseeing trips where you're constantly on your feet and moving, long flights, get back, and you're just tired. Now, step 10, I have no problem with shameless, shameless promotion, but step 10 is to follow the nine steps of the book. So I guess if you're, if you're the author, w- which actually does make sense because they say it's not about tips, it's about transforming um your mentality so uh, i another great uh good point i guess but that's what all of our first season is covering these chapters and their nine steps um their next section is is saving and the basics of savings and they have some tips and ideas um 
the first being avoid debt, managing your debt and your finances, avoid debt and pay cash for everything. When you have, if you have debt, try to pay it off as quickly as possible. Um, next, have a place to live. And they say, look for less expensive places, uh, housemates, smaller homes, co-housing. Uh, and a point with this is less space means less in other costs like utilities and maintenance. But I don't think I could go home and tell my wife I want us to get a roommate to, to defray the rent so I couldn't, or the mortgage, excuse me, so I couldn't necessarily go with that one. Uh, getting around, if you own a car, get something reasonable, uh, that, something that's reasonably reliable, fuel efficient, and maintain it well. And that just seems to be a great, uh, great point there. Uh, take care of your body. I like seeing this in here. Talking, uh, They say um, um, the best health insurance is a healthy diet, exercise, good rest, and low stress. So you know, taking care of yourself will make you feel better and save you, save you money. Uh, they mentioned traveling abroad for medical procedures, which there was a lot written about in the, um, in the past. Medical tourism, I'm not sure if... Um, it's as popular. I haven't seen as much on it as I have before, but that's definitely something uh, people do. Uh, sharing and bartering, um, eating. I know this is a big expense for for me and my family eating eating out. So, making cooking meals an experience. So, um, for example, we have done this in the past, but I think we could do it more frequently. Is we've done pizza night with the kids where we make pizza versus ordering it. They have a great time. I remember the first time we did it, my son Dylan didn't want anyone to eat his pizza because he thought it was a piece of art. I didn't want anyone to ruin his masterpiece, but uh, we did get him to eat it and share it. But either way, I think that personally I could uh, work on this one a little bit a little bit more. And it, it does fall back into the cat, these categories on being creative, but also making sure that you're getting good value out of this. It's not about saving the most money. It's not about um, just changing your whole budget. If you're not feeling like you're getting value out of you know these new substitutes, if you feel like it's not really changing or benefiting you, then, then don't do it. it. Again, it falls down to how you feel personally about it. Are you enjoying it? Are, are your creative solutions and strategies working with your budget? And is it really helping you progress in your lifestyle? I don't, this was definitely a great section. Yeah, and when you, you mentioned that, that one thing I forgot to talk about in the pizza story was that we had a great time doing it. So it wasn't necessarily a cost-saving thing. I'm sure we saved money and probably ate a little bit healthier with it, but it, it was a, a great time. Next, uh, staying connected, informed, and entertained. Getting rid of a landline if you don't use it or cord cutting. Uh, for your cable, I, that's something I've personally been looking at for a little while, and will probably um, probably actually do pretty quickly. But for the landline case, we actually it's cheaper to have a landline than not, based on the deal the cable company gives us right now. But cord cutting, I think I can probably save um, save uh, fifty sixty dollars a month by doing that, getting rid of my cable. And as I said, I have been looking into it. One thing I have done since we've read this book is I have canceled my HBO and Showtime, which I was barely... You, I, for Game of Thrones, I thought HBO was worth it, but I don't really watch it anymore, so I've canceled it. Managing your subscriptions was is 
a really big. I did the same thing when Game of Thrones ended on HBO. Just managing those subscriptions is is huge now because there's a new one almost every day. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, getting away, they talk about when you're taking your vacations. And I mentioned this earlier, staycations. A couple things, home exchanges they mentioned. Take a trip somewhere else and exchange homes. I've heard of people doing that. Get uh, Let someone stay in your home, you stay in theirs. Protect what you own, getting insurance on only what you need. They talk about a family heirloom they insured that if lost, they would never be able to replace, so there was no reason in insuring it. Uh, raising children, I can uh, children. I can relate to this one. The average American family spends over two hundred thirty thousand dollars to raise a child till age eighteen. I've seen similar numbers. I still have three kids, so I am deep in this two hundred thirty thousand uh, dollar trip. Or for me, six uh, six hundred and ninety thousand dollar trip. But uh, I like how they talk about modeling frugal living. I've read in multiple places that people, uh, people's financial makeup comes from what they observe from their parents. So if your parents say, hey, we should save money, but you see them constantly spending or you, know, you shouldn't use debt, but you always hear them talking about credit card debt, uh, as you grow older, you'll model what you saw, not what you heard. So I think when they talk about this and they say modeling frugal living for your children, not telling them necessarily about it or not necessarily talking about it showing them i think that's a very valuable point um next throwing stuff away or even selling stuff that you have that that you've accumulated that you don't need their next tip is with gifting and celebrating doing a secret santa versus getting everyone a gift their last one partnering is partnering with others that will appreciate what you're doing. It's almost like having an accountability partner or someone to share stories with. Um, I actually discovered this book by learning about uh, the uh, F the FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early movement via Twitter. And I just wanted to get a little bit more involved with uh, social media and and that's how I started using Twitter. I didn't even know this existed till a few months ago. So this is actually, we're doing this podcast about this book because of the community that's out there. Partnering will also help you bounce different ideas and strategies as well. It's a really important aspect, finding like-minded people in the group that you can really bounce your ideas off of and generate new ones. Yep. Yep, and they'll keep you on that on that path. Uh, next, save money and save the planet. And their statement, they say, is money is a lien on the Earth's resources. So if you are saving money, you are saving the Earth's resources, which is so true. Anytime you buy something, you're using whatever resource went into making it. So if you're getting something you don't need, you're essentially not only wasting your money, you're wasting some of the earth's resources and that's with the consumer lifestyle now and where the author is trying to promote to promote substitutes selling buying products that are very durable that will last you a long time because it has an impact financially but it also has an impact on our environment yeah i had a, a client of mine talk to me about this when she bought a dining table 
and it was important for her to make sure she got one that um, that was used because and she she has the resources to buy a new one she just thought it was better for society and she also thought the stuff made uh, you know, in made previously is has all been better quality than what's made now so it seemed like a, which sounds like a great idea to me uh, the money talk questions they have uh, the have I'll pick out um, one to either ask you or to, to share. I'll actually talk about one one of these um, uh, that that um, it might be counterintuitive to this, but one of their questions says, "Talk about something you own that you love, and what do you love about it?" And I'm going to talk about a subscription service because I feel like a lot of this is anti that, but I just love my music subscription service. I use it all the time. Uh, I love when new music comes out. There are many times I think, hey, this is the best uh, yeah, ten bucks a month that we that we spend, or uh, and so that's one thing I I love that yeah. In theory, I could live without it, uh, but going back to being frugal just means getting the most out of what you spend. I definitely get the most out of that. For me, it would be my console, my PS4, because of all the uses I can. Uh basically have it do for example i can hook up my spotify to it that, that's awesome i can play like music if i have people over can watch movies play games it's basically something that I, it has multi-purposes that is really helpful in my apartment so you're able to use your ps4 for um a lot of different things what video games do you like to play on it uh, the biggest ones are sports ones. I love uh, Madden, which is NFL, and then 2K. Those are those are always fun to play, and you can play up to four people on it, which is awesome. But just being able to play music, games, watch uh, watch TV shows and movies, just having it, and it also connects to my phone. Also, I can control it like that, like that. So that it's it's really definitely interesting, very beneficial. Yeah, I didn't know you could control that through through uh, the phone. Yeah, it's it's a really awesome feature. As long as everything's hooked up on the same Wi-Fi, it works it works perfectly. And that's definitely going to be the the biggest thing in the future just being able to connect everything in your house with just using your phone, having it all just very accessible and ready to use whether it's turning off like a light switch or just making sure your security systems on or just watch, seeing if like the oven or the microwave is still on. It's definitely it's definitely big now for millennials being able to control everything from one device, which I, I, I'm actually really interested in. That, yeah, I, that's a great thing. That, that convenience is, is huge. Um, now, one thing that, I, that, that we're doing now is I want to share one thing, something that any listener can take away and execute on sort of right now, what, what I think this chapter is really encompassing. And for me... Um, what I think stands out is, I guess, really two things. But one is having your personal finances top of mind, and two, uh, get creative. You know, there, you can have everything you want, but is there a more creative way to get it that does not uh, cost as much as the way that is less creative? My my biggest 
Uh, hopefully the takeaway that you get from this would be as similar as Roshan is, you know, being more conscious, maybe on an everyday level, try and do something different every day when it comes to personal finance. For example, it could just be as easy as when you're driving home, maybe it's late after work and you know, you're too tired to cook, but you actually just recently bought groceries instead of maybe going out, just cook what you have in the house and you can use that as a stepping stone for the next. So every day just be conscious on how can I save more money today? How can I be more smart with my, my finances today? What can I what can I do differently? And just use it as a way to try it out and see if you don't like it, do something else. If if it's beneficial, you know, don't do it again. Just try and find something else to be like Roshan said, creative, but be also conscious of what you do every day. Yep. Uh, top of mind and get creative. I like I like those points with this. So Adrian, as we wrap up, are you seeing anything that uh, is worth discussing in the in the uh, news? Or I'll tell you one thing that I saw on um, uh, on CNBC is they had um, an article about ten top earning athletes who lost a lot of money. I actually saw this one. Yeah, this was a really interesting one. They, they had golfers, uh, basketball players, football players who all made a, lot, a substantial amount of money but lost it all when it came to um, settlement claims, bad investments, trusting the wrong people. It was definitely a really interesting article. What were some of your takeaways from it? Well, that it, I just think it's sad. It's so, so many athletes this happens to, and you're right, it's across sports. Uh, I'll just throw out some of the names. They mentioned Boris Becker, the tennis player, John Daly, the golfer, Evander Holyfield, you know, boxer, uh, Bernie Kosar and Dan Marino, Warren Sapp. This article started with Adrian Peterson. They talk about Lawrence Taylor, all football players, uh, Mike Tyson. I, there, tend, there are a lot of football players on this list. I don't know if there's a, uh, any kind of connection there, but they do tend to have shorter careers, so maybe that's, that's uh, part of it. But I just thought it was it's sad that there's so many people who... Um, I actually heard um, Rich Paul, who LeBron, who's LeBron James' agent, along with the agent for a bunch of other athletes, uh, talk about this earlier this week. I was listening to uh, Jalen and Jacoby, which is one of my favorite podcasts, and um, he was saying how the athletes get get money so young, and they aren't educated yet in how to uh, how to handle it. And this also reminds me of something we discussed previously when you had that article about Shaquille O'Neal, and he said the same thing: you need to be educated to know how to handle handle the money. So I just thought it was such a shame that these people. And granted, there's got to be wasteful spending in there also. They're not all, um, yeah. They're, they're not all people who just say, oh, I feel bad. They, they definitely have responsibility in this. But it's just, uh, just a sad thing to see anybody lose, lose everything. And you can learn a lot from it. And looking at the article, I think this was the most relatable point for Vince Young. He basically lost his money because he hadn't paid attention to his finances until his sports career was over. And this isn't just really the sports. This could just happen to a lot of people where they're not paying attention to their finances. They're probably making a, a lot of money, but they're not really paying attention to wh where it's where it's all going. And that's something that is uh, definitely a will have a big impact on you no matter how successful you are if you're just not managing your finances properly and not trusting it with proper entities agreed uh paying attention that's a perfect perfect uh 
story with uh, this uh, with this chapter in mind because that's what they talk about keeping your finances top of mind and um, uh, and getting getting creative. Yeah, there was also a really big podcast that happened this week that was blowing up all over LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. If you heard about it, uh, Tony Robbins mm-hmm. was interviewing, uh, interviewing Conor McGregor, and it was uh, it was a really it was a really great uh, podcast, and I, I definitely got a lot of great uh, content from it. And one of my my favorite quotes from it is the only thing that you can take someone down or break you down is internal nothing external is strong enough to break you down and i think that was a it was a really good point and it's it's very important for people to understand always having a positive impact always being motivated always trying to push yourself to to be better if uh, you don't know who conor mcgregor is he's a usc uh fighter and he's from ireland and normally Irish people do not really get into the UFC fighting, so he was dealing with a lot of external problems with people saying, oh, you can't do it, oh, not a lot of people of your stature, from your background, really succeed in this, but he always believed in himself internally and was always motivated that he just ignored all the external aspects that were coming out of him, and he, he was obviously very successful. And th- this was Conor McGregor who made that statement. Yes, Conor McGregor. It was. It was definitely. Uh, it was. Re- it was definitely a great, great takeaway. And also another point going off that, which is important, is whatever, whatever you're doing, always be crazy obsessed with what you're doing, and that will make you successful. That helps you put in a lot more time, being more interested in what you're doing, and allow you to grow out, grow at a faster rate. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I love both of those things. I'm a fan of McGregor, uh, and I remember um, when he was taking, uh, sort of taking over the MMA world and promoting his fight with Floyd Mayweather. Reading that he was on um, essentially on welfare while he was still trying to. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, while he was still trying to launch his career, and you fast forward, you know, roughly five or six years, and the guy goes from welfare to well over a hundred million in in uh net worth I, I i don't even i don't know all his uh different ventures but i know he went from uh went from fighting in mma to boxing and getting a huge payday on that and that was all created by his own um promotion really and and uh making that fight happen and then you also have him i, I, I believe he's got a um whiskey or a scotch brand now too yeah they brought that up in the podcast another uh revenue source for him which is which is huge but i'm not sure what particular one it is though well i know it's called proper 12 but i cannot say i have ever tried it or seen it so if conor mcgregor ever listens to this he can send me a bottle that'd be awesome (laughs) but uh to anything else to add adrian before i uh wrap wrap it up i was uh looking at this article on us today it was just a quick 10 great personal finance tips and i'll just uh run through them fast the first ones make personal finance a priority second one is read personal finance books which i thought was really uh in- interesting funny because the first one they talk about is your money or your life uh, nice. The third one is listen to podcasts on money, investing, and side hustles. Four is read personal finance blogs. Five is seek out online personal finance communities. Six is find a money mentor. Seven is consider financial advisors and planners. Eight is take personal finance online courses. Nine is track 
track your spending and 10 is create spending averages based on the past six months. So those are 10 quick little personal finance tips that I hope you all take away. That's a great list uh, also. Uh, to everyone that listened, thank you very much for uh, tuning in. We hope you found this helpful. Feel free to reach out to us on any uh, platform that's out there, social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, even email. Uh, we'd love to take questions and uh, requests for what we continue to do going forward. Thank you very much. That was uh, episode six on chapter six.